looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Make Money Make Sense. My name's Dante. Joined by my co-host this week is DJ Smith. DJ, how are we doing? I'm great. How are you, Dante? Good to be with you. Good to be back with you. It's, it's been a while since we've uh, we've done a podcast. We've just been super busy, lots of stuff going on. And uh, I figured, why not put another episode out? And something we just went through on an asset is uh, due diligence. And we can the asset didn't end up working out. But I thought it'd be really smart to just share our due diligence process with our listeners and kind of how we do things at Victory Capital Group and what I see done in the the brokerage world. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's extremely important because, it, you know, essentially this whole process is about mitigating risk, uh, risk for the investors, risk for us, um, and trying to sniff out um, everything that we possibly can. It's an opportunity to get a a, a deep dive under the hood, almost uh, like taking a motor apart. <laughs> right, is what we're trying to do. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's talk through it. Yeah, so we'll. I'm just going to lay out kind of you know what it is, high level, and then we're going to talk from you know A to Z of what our process is and how we do it here. Um, but really, you know, when I'm brokering some smaller deals, some two to 10, 20 unit deals, typically due diligence is very light. Uh, a lot of times on smaller deals, due diligence doesn't really happen as much because uh, I'm walking in with experienced investors. It's only two, three, four units. You're walking in, you're looking at the outside, you're looking at the inside, you're going to go in the basement, you'll see everything. It's very easy. So sometimes they waive the due diligence period, um, or if we have one, it's just like a small like investment or home inspection. Very simple, very easy, very cut and dry. Versus you know, what we're doing here is one, we're buying multi-million dollar properties. And two, a lot of times we're doing it with other people's money. So for that reason, we're very careful and very cautious. And like I said, we just did due diligence on a property that we decided not to move forward with because of what we found during the due diligence. And uh, that's very important. Yeah. And I think there's there's another uh, aspect to when you're doing larger multifamily. Uh, essentially, there's a there's a a more substantial team of people mm-hmm. that are operating the asset. There's uh, certainly uh, more detail when you're handling a larger quantity of units. Um, so making sure that you have a, a clear understanding of the financial picture is uh, a lot different than when you're dealing with a couple, three units. Um, Agreed. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit more detail here too. Definitely. So typically when we're starting out the due diligence, there's a timeline attached with it. Typically it's 30 days, maybe 45 days. And this is basically your uh, inspection or due diligence contingency where when we go under agreement on a, on a property, we have X amount of days to be physically on site, look at everything, but also look at the financials. And typically we're going to start with the cheaper of the two. So when we're doing due diligence, we're looking at everything on paper. We're looking at all the numbers, all the bills, 
um, utility bills, tax bills, survey. We're looking at all those things before we spend the time and money to physically look at these properties. So before we even step put on foot on the property for physical due diligence, even though we've already toured it, we're going to look at, we're going to ask for, and we have a list of items that we're actually looking at for the property. So DJ, what would you say some of those items are that um, we're pulling document wise? And I, yeah, I feel like and, you're just going to pull it off. It, 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 well, and poor Dante has got to deal with me because I, 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 you know, I have this thing about me about being technically correct with everything. So you said cheaper. Uh, I'm going to replace that term with easier, right? Correct. The things yep. that we that we can quickly uh, grab is what we're referring to. Yep. So things like the T12. Uh, so it's basically the uh, income statement or financial report, monthly financials. There's a lot of different terms that are applied to it. We want to get a good snapshot of the historical financials. And one of the things that we're looking for there is what's present and what isn't. So in our underwriting, we have a real good sense of what we should see to operate a large multifamily asset. So we want to compare those things uh, that they have uh, on their financials to what we would expect. But we're also looking for things that are missing. And that's that's probably the, you know, there, there's a lot of main components. I don't think any of this can left out. So I don't want to say it's the main thing that we look for but it's a really big check on the underwriting, right, Dante? Most definitely. And to kind of give someone an idea of a list of those items that we're looking for, we're looking for past appraisals, an age receivable report, such as you know who's paying rent, who isn't, what that balance is, uh, CapEx that the previous owner has done, environmental reports, insurance policy, insurance loss runs, leases, rent roll, survey, uh, utility bills, the, the list goes on. There's a lot of items that we can look for and that we're going to ask for essentially to look at this property from bird's eye view without spending the time and money of visiting the property, which is the more expensive part of the process right. or um, more time consuming, more difficult. Yeah, it's definitely more expensive. We, we you know, so I think your, your term is uh, correct from earlier. Not only is it easier, but it is cheaper uh, because when we start getting into the the physical, so we typically break down our due diligence, physical, financial. Um, we could probably throw a third area in there, but uh, what we're talking about is before we mobilize a team of people, which uh, it would include contractors, property managers, and their time is involved, we actually have to pay for that. Yep. Um, so if we can sniff something out up front uh, that doesn't align with our underwriting. Um, and, and you started to set the stage for this earlier too, Dante. So at this stage of the game, you know what happens prior to due diligence? Uh, we, we put out a letter of intent, uh, which basically establishes our price and some basic conditions. Uh, that typically is held up against a bunch of other bidders for the property if we're fortunate enough to win it. Um, then we'll be uh, basically awarded the opportunity to go under contract. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have the property yet. It means uh, that we still have to negotiate the purchase and sale agreement. And that's where all the specific terms are settled relative to uh, what is that due diligence period? When does it start? How long do we have? And a whole bunch of other stuff that we can cover in a different, different episode, but that's what sets us up for the due diligence. Yeah, most definitely. So Moving on from the financial, we spoke about a lot of the documents that we're looking out for. 
really the one of the large pieces and more time intensive is the physical on-site due diligence. So why don't you talk a little bit about what that looks like? So what do we do to prep for it? Who do we bring with us? And then we'll talk about process once we get on site. Yeah. And I think there's, uh, before we jump into that, there's another huge component of, I, I think, what's the difference between us and some other people that I've seen. Because usually when we're ready to go on site, we've already done things like we'll have uh, an insurance quote. Now, that may need to be tweaked uh, based on you know new information that comes available based on lender requirements and things like that. But we've already reached out to uh, basically our, our insurance broker uh, and a few different ones. We've already uh, reached out to a property manager and started to align on the property manager and who we want on site. We've uh, reached out for things like a landscape quote, trash quote. We've already talked to the uh, county tax assessor to anticipate what's going on with taxes. And all this stuff, along with the documents that we obtained from the seller, all these things are held up to our underwriting that we did at the time of the LOI. And these are all critical pieces that allow us to, I'll say, hit the ground running so that we can make our 30-day deadline. And I think for us, typically what we've seen is within a couple of weeks uh, of this due diligence period, we, we've gone through, we've obtained all this pricing, we've looked at a lot of the seller documents. Now we, we hit the street and get into this physical due diligence, which we'll go into great detail here. But uh, typically uh, what I've seen is within a couple of weeks of that 30-day period, Dante and I are looking at each other going, we can move forward or we got an issue here. Right. Yep. And again, doing that before more time intensive, more costly process of the due diligence comes up. So um, we we do all those things. And we're also prepping for physical due diligence yep. days where we're also where we're getting ready to go on site to physically visit the asset. DJ, wh- who are we bringing and who are we getting ready to do that? Yeah, they, probably the question is who we not bring in, right? Yeah. <laughs> so again, usually there's an alignment with a local property manager uh, that has relationships with uh, plumber, electrician, roofing company, pest control. Uh, obviously, the property managers themselves come in. Um, if need be, we might even bring in a structural person. Um, uh, building inspector who's going to have a skill set. Uh, these are all the people that uh, you know we've learned over time that are necessary to come on site with us. Um, and you know, in some cases, now I have a background in engineering, uh, multidiscipline engineering, done a lot of construction management and so on. So we this will not be our first time on site. There is a preliminary walkthrough that we do. And then based on that walkthrough and what we see, um, that'll uh, set us up for what we feel like we we need or don't need. So it's possible maybe we don't need a structural assessment of the property, um, but we're still going to look and observe. Now there's a we call it an inspection in the engineering world. A lot of times it's it's observation. You're going to see what you can physically see with your eyes, uh, and that's going to apply to an electrician. Electrician can't see into the walls. Uh, but we can check the type of wiring that's there. We can look at panels. We're looking for a certain type of breakers that we know are have a historical issue with fire hazards and uh, things like that. So 
but our team is basically a, a what I would call a complete set of the trades. Um, you know, which would include roofing, plumbing. We actually, for the plumber, we require that they bring a camera. Uh, we'll camera lines. Um, and uh, generally we don't. Well, real, real quick, yep. I'm going to stop yep. you there and yep. why we do some of those things. So hitting on electrician, you know, we, we find that with uh, uh, the property out in Fayetteville, there was an issue with all of the breakers or a majority of the breakers that they were uh, Pacific, uh, Federal Pacific federal breakers, Pacific, yeah, which yeah. are recalled, have high um, uh, what's likelihood. The word yeah, yeah, high high likelihood of um, a fire of starting a fire in some aspect or another. So that that's why we're looking to bring in the electrician. Is it aluminum wiring or is it copper wiring? Those are you know all important things that we're looking at. Then switching over to what you're saying with the plumber, and we have him bring a camera to scope the sewer lines. The last asset we did due diligence on. They scoped one of the lines and they found that there was a crack in the sewer lateral. Um, mm -hmm. That's not an easy fix. You have to dig up the ground. If it's under asphalt, you have to get that repaved. That That's expensive. And that's something you know we need to be aware of. And on top of that, what type of supply lines does the property have? Is it PVC or excuse me? Is right, it for PEX? water supply? Right. Correct. Is it <clears throat> yeah. PEX? Is it copper? Is it poly? Uh, the polybutane? That's a big one. And then what kind of uh, waste lines does it have? Is it, again, copper? Is it galvanized? Is it PVC? All those things that we're looking at. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of the apartments that we're looking at to here in the Carolinas, slab on grade, um, our assets are typically right now we're looking at 80s, 90s vintage. We've walked a few that are even newer than that. The one thing about an older asset is uh, if there is some sort of foundational issue, uh, we can typically spot that. Uh, yeah. It's, it's going to become visible if this uh, structure has been up for 40 years. Uh, but we still want to look in the attic spaces, um, take a look at what's going on up there. Uh, we'll inspect the outsides of these buildings, if they're brick or there are cracks in the brick. Is there uh, something like that that, we, again, we can, we can observe? Um, and the other big one, one of my pet peeves with these, uh, having worked for a, a civil engineering firm that did a lot of paving, grading, and drainage, is strangely enough, paving, grading, and drainage. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we're we're always looking to make sure that uh, water is being channeled properly. That in fact it it flows downhill, downhill, and obviously coming from the north. Uh, one of the things is while the South is, uh, here in the Carolinas, we typically get nice weather. Uh, it does in fact drop below 32 degrees at times. So if we have bird baths, uh, you know, essentially puddles, um, uneven pavement, uh, slips, trips, and falls, things that will get us in trouble, uh, potentially getting sued in our litigation society, uh, all this stuff is extremely important to us. Yeah, it, it is. And th this is stuff that I know for a fact other buyers or operators are not looking at all these items because one, I've spoken to dozens of them. And two, I'm a broker. I see these things every day. We just did due diligence on 52 units here in New York. And uh, there's two guys, um, something like that. You know, that's it. We brought 12 guys <laughs> to our last due diligence. And yeah. uh you know, when we get there, we're obviously very respectful of the premises and the property and the tenants, but we're also, you know, you open a door, plumber, HVAC, electrician, everyone's going to their designated spots, general contractor, you know, I'm taking pictures, I'm doing that, I'm taking notes. We've got guys with ladders up on the roofs, we've got guys out in the lot, you know, um, scoping the lines, we're, we've got a general contractor looking at the exteriors. These are all things that we do 
um, to protect ourselves, protect our investors and protect the investment, which is super important. Um, a few other guys, DJ, that we have looking at with us, we, we mentioned uh, plumbing, we mentioned electrician, um, we have HVAC coming as well. Mm-hmm. They're pulling out filters, they're looking at the yep. system, checking the age of the air handlers um, and the condensing units. Yeah, and that's actually something on our uh, initial walkthrough. Usually I'm only looking at uh, two, three, four units max. Um, but on the exterior, uh, one of the things that we can do is we we can uh, look at all the condensing units for the uh, for the AC systems. Um, and uh, we take a picture of all the, the placards that are on there. And it for us, part of the reason why we do that is it helps us gauge our CapEx. So before Dante and I even step foot on the property the second time, uh, we've, we, we do an initial CapEx estimate and that's revised after our initial walkthrough. So on the initial walkthrough, I can get a real good sense of what's out there paving grading drainage wise, as well as exterior mechanical. So for instance, if we see that 80% of the, uh, the, the condensing units are 15 plus years old, uh, then we know a lot of that's going to have to be replaced and we can set our CapEx budget accordingly or do the first revision accordingly. Second revision would come after we do this, this detailed inspection that we're talking about, in which case they are Dante, we're entering every single unit on the property. Right. So touching on that exterior standpoint, you get a lot of information after you go to that initial property on the exterior, you upload hundreds of photos to our uh, our drive. And we look at those together. And a lot of times we can know right away on the exterior, how much money it's going to need. What does it need staircases? You know, does it need paving? Does it need siding? Does it need gutters, drainage, whatever it is. And for example, like that two property portfolio in Greensboro that last year we, or maybe it was earlier this year, we got second place on First place buyer fell out. They actually came back to us and we we, we said no, um, right. just be, just after seeing the outside, I believe. And if DJ, you can correct me with that deal. We just saw it needed to be all repaved. It needed a lot of siding work, I think, maybe, maybe yeah. some roofs. I don't remember. And we yep. just knew right away at that price without even looking in the interiors. We knew what we needed to do on the exterior. The numbers weren't going to work. So, you know, that that's part of the process. Yeah, and, and part of the process that that initial pass we so it's almost like um, there's there's uh, I'll say three phases to this. One is before you even see the property, uh, we take information from the broker, and that's how we establish our initial underwriting. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the the you know what I've learned about brokers is they try to be very fair. Uh, they have their own uh, interpretation as to how this uh, a, a specific property that they're marketing should be uh, repositioned. Because in a lot of cases, we're doing value add, so it requires a repositioning. Mm-hmm. They'll make their own assumptions on debt. They do their own underwriting. Um, and we review that, uh, but our business plan may not exactly align with the one that the, bo- the broker proposes. Um, so that's our first pass is really based on broker information and what's uh, readily available. Uh, we change it once after an initial walkthrough. That's when everybody's still bidding on this. Everybody gets to do this this initial site visit. It's encouraged uh, and I would say is typical. Um, and then based on that, you usually get whittled down and, and hopefully win your bid. But you are not walking through every unit 
prior no, to just putting sample out that set, really. You got it. Two, right. three units per asset uh, because they're just not going to serve every single tenant. So like right. English Village, for example, when we purchased that, we gave a number on LOI. We went and saw the property after the LOI was accepted. And what they didn't tell us and what they didn't have any photos of was this parking lot. And this parking lot was roots were just intruding right through the surface. Yep. There was major potholes. It, it was just, it was really messy. And it's, yep. uh, would it have worked for someone? Maybe, but that's not our standard. That's not how we run a property. And we saw the value add component there, but the price didn't make sense. So we needed to get that adjusted. And we said, hey, this is our LOI at two point whatever million. This isn't what was disclosed to us. Now that we're here, we see it. We need to adjust the price before we go under contract. This is before we went under contract to XYZ pricing. And here's why. And yep. they said, okay, if you can do two, that number, the 2.05 million, I think it was, uh, we'll do a deal. And this was before uh, we went under PSA. I do remember. Yeah. And, you know, I think for us, uh, we we are hopeful that when we do that initial walkthrough, everything aligns with our underwriting. Yeah. Uh, we never want to. Yeah. We don't want to go back to Yeah. We don't want to go back to brokers. I mean, at that point, the deal works for us. But uh, we have to call a timeout uh, when we observe something that, uh, again, remember the, the first pass is done without seeing the asset. Um, so when we go see the asset or go through and do physical due diligence. So, um, you know, in one case, we, we were shown that the, like I said, the parking lot, it, it wasn't just bad. It, it was a mess. <laughs> you know, it, and the and, broker wasn't upset at us either when no. we... Nope. We we were we weren't trying to play games. We weren't hiding anything. We put it on the table. Here's why. Yep. Here's our numbers. Yep. And he was just like, okay, like yep. I'll go to the seller and let them know. And that yep. was that. Yeah. So that that one worked out good. Our our last one, uh, coincidentally, was also a Greensboro deal that we did get under contract. I, I think that's the first contract we've actually uh, had to cancel, right, Dante? That is the first one we've had to cancel. Yep. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, the issue there was on the initial walkthrough, uh, we were shown some interiors. We developed a budget based on uh, my walk of those interiors. Um, and being and, told those interiors were a good representation of the rest of the property. Exactly. And what we got in there and we found was that like, uh, this was a 60, what was it? 64 unit complex. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was... Probably seventy to seventy-five percent of the unit. Now they had eight fully renovated units. Um, so of the remaining fifty-six, we had uh, forty-one. I think that um, were Porters, smokers, holes and well, you know. I, I'll just say unrentable without Correct. putting down at a minimum new flooring. Right, uh, unrentable. So you know that's that's a nugget that we didn't factor in. And if it's unrentable because it doesn't have new flooring there's a whole lot of other stuff to go along with that. Uh, we thought we could uh, save or, re or reuse some of the existing cabinets that were in there. There was a huge percentage of those that at a minimum needed paint and new doors and drawers. So yep. uh, it went on from there. Um, so that one, yeah, we could not, we weren't even close on CapEx on that one. And I, I do feel like um, and again, I don't blame the brokers for this. I think they were working off of information that they were told, uh, but somewhere along the line, it what we were shown was not uh, communicated to us what we were actually dealing with 
in terms of how much effort was required. And and Dante and I feel like we can do everything, uh, anything that's needed to a play. I've always said to Dante, uh, I'm not afraid of distressed properties. Right. Uh, we, we've done some pretty rough renovations. We can handle stuff. Uh, I've built chemical plants before. We can handle stuff, but it's not in our business model. We, Correct. we Dante, we have to agree on a plan and a path forward and how we're going to operate. Right, Dante? It, exactly. And it's it, with this asset, you know, I, I posted about it on Twitter and a lot of people, you know, not specifics, but what happened. And I probably had 60 comments on there of, okay, you know, why didn't you retrade them? Why didn't you lessen the price? And there was there was two reasons really. Um, one, you know, the market shifted a little bit, so where we felt comfortable with getting rents changed based on the market shifting from when we saw it two months ago. But also, once we got on in and actually saw the units and the layout of the units, we didn't think it com- could command as high of rents as not was advertised, but what we comped out for. And then two was just the amount of risk associated with what the property needed. No price reduction. I mean, yes, there would be a price reduction, but it would be gigantic. That would make us feel comfortable with taking on the amount of risk that this property needed in order to make it to the point where we want it. So let's say these aren't the actual numbers, but let's say our CapEx was 250,000 and it really came back at 750,000. That's a $500,000 price difference. That doesn't mean knock 500 grand off the price and we'll do the deal because those numbers don't work that way. There's time factored into the money and where it's invested and how it's working. But that risk was so large because it needed so much money and so much construction and so much renovation, so much turnover, so much repositioning that maybe we would have needed a 350 or $800,000 price reduction to be comfortable at that point. And we just felt with the current state of the market, where things are at, where debt is at, where the economy's at, that it wasn't worth the 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 risk to take on with this asset. It was a much heavier lift than what was advertised. We it was advertised as a much lighter lift, a a very stabilized deal that just needed slight increases, but those increases could not be obtained with the condition of the property. Yeah, and everything aligned with that up through and including the initial walkthrough. Mm-hmm. But you know, when we started looking behind every door, uh, yeah, it, and Dante mentioned some of the stuff too: hoarder units, smoker units. Uh, God bless her. There was a woman with dementia in there, uh, but her place was was not good. And in, in fact, we notified the property manager that they needed to uh, contact social services about that one. So, right. Um, and the, yeah. the exterior showed great at this property. It right. was probably one of the best exteriors that we've looked at in a while. Oh, yeah. But very clean. Yep. No, nothing was done on the inside, really. Right. Right. So, you know, that's, uh, I, I think, a pretty good uh, snapshot of what occurs. Now, what's interesting too, Dante, is I think the the two times we've had to go back and say, uh, hey, we've had an issue. Um, we don't go back with the, it, it's like at that point when our underwriting is not going to work and we get that far down the road, we assume we're going to have to walk away from the deal. Mm-hmm. Yes, if we're asked, uh, we'll be ready with a number that we can do the deal for. But between 2008 and up to a little more than a year ago, um, it's been a different environment out there. So any, well, I'm just going to say it, I'm going to be blunt, Dante. Any schmuck in this business was successful. Yeah. Because appreciation has been off the charts crazy in favor of those that have been in this business and and their investors. 
it's a different environment now, folks. It's completely different. Uh, I sent Dante an article yesterday just to emphasize this. Charlotte has been going bananas. Uh, Charlotte's where I live, just outside of Charlotte, um, with new construction of apartments. And uh, what's happening now is that uh, you have, I think, less people now moving. Um, any new construction is all going to be nice class A stuff. So unlike the apartments that we're into, which is, you know, we try to stick in like that C plus and move to like a B category. Um, any new construction that comes online is all expensive, nice, new class A stuff. Uh, so you're not only competing with other apartment complexes when, when you have one that you're operating, you're also competing with new inventory coming online. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, so Charlotte's uh, vacancies, I think just top 10%, that article said, um, and rents are actually declining in Charlotte overall. Yep. Now, I think because of our business model, we're insulated from that uh, a bit because there is still an issue in the Carolinas with what they call affordable housing. And that's really where we're operating. Right. No, Nobody's building a class C plus assets. It just exactly. doesn't, yeah, it doesn't work. So, and that's why um, the, the example I always give is you have A, B, C, and D class properties. B is such a safe and protected and insulated spot because, in good times when wages are up, you know, spending's up and everything's great, a lot of those C plus tenants may move up to that, you know, B minus arena or B arena because they could spend a little bit more, wages are up, things like that. And those B guys may move into that, you know, higher B or lower A category. Okay. But in times when it's rougher and, you know, wages aren't that great or the economy goes into a recession, people are going to save money and they're going to move from that A class to that B plus or that A minus. And then those guys in that, you know, B to B minus area might move to the C to C plus. Well, guess what's always insulated in that bracket there? The the D is kind of its own class because it's this really rough, you know. Different animal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. totally different. Something we yeah. don't even operate in. So that B class, that lower B class area is always yeah, let, Let's touch on the D for a bit. So the way we define D, I, I think you and I are aligned with this, Dante. We typically say it's it's an older asset, Fair, um, yeah. but you're less than 85% occupied um, and you're in rough shape. Not um, even occupancy, but more of location and vintage. It's older, mm -hmm. rents are lower, and it's in a crappy location with a lot of rundown housing by pawn yeah. shops, uh, you know, used car dealerships, vacant commercial and office space. It's just not a desirable place. The yields are high because the prices are low, but the yep. risk is through the roof. Yeah. And people can do well in them. Uh, sure. But uh, again, as you um, begin to, it, it requires a heavy CapEx lift. As you go in and tackle that type of asset, um, the type of tenant base you're in, the type of neighborhood that you're in, uh, a, a lot of times you're, you know, you'll bring in new tenants and you're having a tough time getting rent out of them, or maybe you're doing Section Eight or something like that. So mm -hmm. um, there's there's more work to be done with the tenant base. There's a lot more work to be done uh, physically on the asset, keeping the asset nice. Um, and all those present their own set of challenges. So our business plan, we've kind of gone in the middle um, of, of all that. Uh, and we are certainly trying to leverage uh, bringing quality, affordable housing to the market, uh, which, is, which is a need. It, I think it does the community a service. Um, and I think we've had a pretty good track record thus far and taken some assets that 
Um, quite frankly, I think in some cases, in a couple of the cases, the tenant base didn't really care if they threw garbage on the ground or what have you. Right. Um, and we've been able to get that turned around. Um, yeah. So, yeah, pretty happy so, with that, along with some great returns. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. And wrapping up the part in physical due diligence is when we're going into each and every one of these units, we're taking, you know, 15 to 20 photos, 25 photos per unit. And we're also taking notes down on every unit on everything that we're seeing um, to wrap up the physical due diligence. But also while we're on site, part of the due diligence process is we have a list of rental and sale comps that we have in our underwriting. And we're also physically visiting and driving those comps, uh, whether it's, you know, just driving through the parking lot and really taking a look or going to the leasing office and, you know, pretending we're going to rent a unit. We haven't really done much of that. Um, I've done more of that on my own time, uh, but that's. Uh, an... Yeah, we actually have done some of that. So my, my line usually when I, when I do it is. Uh, oh yes. Yeah. My, my son needs an apartment. Right. I'm just yep. here to take a look for. <laughs> yep, exactly. And th this is our way yep. of, of getting in, seeing what's going on and, and feeling out the, the comps and the competition, which is a very important part because just like looking at these properties to purchase, looking at them online to rent or use them as a comp could look very different. But when we actually go there and we drive five, six, seven of them, then we'll say, yeah, this one's way nicer now that we're looking at it. It's a better location. It's in better condition. It has better amenities or this property is not nearly as nice as, as what we thought. Yeah. And uh, so there are, there are tools that we use online to check out also, um, you know, the quality of the neighborhood, the crime rates. Um, Dante does a lot of research on what are the nearby businesses. Uh, he had mentioned earlier, we buy a bunch of like, uh, you know, pawn shops and used car dealerships, or are we, you know, somewhere close to like, you know, things like Starbucks, Chick-fil-A, a nice shopping center and, and things like that. Yeah. Strong uh, retail. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and, you know, we've seen both. Uh, there have been assets that we've liked uh, that are near, you know, abandoned retail and, and things like that. Those we tend to shy away from. Um, so we are literally looking at hundreds of assets uh, just to bring a deal to the table. Real. So, yeah, no, I think this was a great episode. We really broke down what we're doing in the due diligence process for anyone that is wondering. And uh, until next time, thanks for joining me, DJ. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. And uh, if you have any questions, please reach out to us. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.